Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Palt, and today I've got uh, Islander Christensen. He's the uh, product marketing manager of the uh, MCU 16 division at Microchip, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, motors and motor controls and uh, the current market that uh, is both challenging and opportunistic to the designer. Isn't that right, Erlander? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, it's it's correct. Uh, I mean, the world of motors are, are changing every day. I mean, even though, like, you know, majority of energy being spent in this world is, is done by motors, uh, it had stayed the same for a long time uh, until, like, the last couple of decades it's kind of been changing and uh, newer technology has been evolving, uh, kind of trying to improve the efficiency as, as they are, like, you know, the great targets for, like, efficiency improvement in the world. Exactly. So, now... Well, what kind of what? Give us a little bit of a, of a snapshot of what the market was for motors. You know, a lot of very uh, simple motors, I would imagine, and how that's migrating into today's white goods and other uh, motor-driven applications. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, in the past, you know, they have been like the primary is the AC kind of uh, motors, uh, AC induction motors, kind of the biggest one of the, those. Uh, of course, brushed motors has been used in a lot of things that, you know day-to-day uh, items that you kind of run across, uh, CD players, you know, you name it. Uh, but uh, in the kind of appliance world, for example, uh, each induction has been the dominant kind of uh, motor type. Uh, but about two decades, a couple of decades ago, uh, these permanent magnet motors started showing up uh, with no brushes or uh, versus like the DC motor, but had some simplicity of driving uh, relative to uh, the DC motor, and kind of people got like uh, excited about it. Also being permanent magnet, they had like instantaneous uh, torque that mm-hmm. kind of people are always looking for in motors. And uh, but they had a little bit more complex driving uh, needs, so you needed like some digital controller to kind of drive them. Uh, versus like on a lot of AC induction motors, uh, they're driven basically what's called a frequency drive. So basically you just generate the different frequency waveforms to get different speeds. But the efficiency has not been very good. So uh, with these these permanent magnet motors, people got really excited about the efficiency. They could shrink the size of the motor because, you know, the torque uh, was much higher relative to frame size and things like that. So uh, people kind of starting to grab onto that, and also with the kind of the semiconductor industry kind of starting to turn out cheaper and cheaper solutions, uh, I would say like at the turn of the century, it kind of became like uh, a, a no-brainer of doing that. And uh, the simpler of the kind of these permanent magnet motor, the brushless DC motor, basically became kind of a fad in some cases. You know, everybody wants to put it in there. But, you know... Uh, it was not so easy. A lot of uh, manufacturers like Microchip started to look into that to see how they could, you know, help out in that space. And uh, so it's been evolving since then, uh, trying to kind of make life easier for people designing with these permanent magnet motors. Uh, but as people are trying to do, make things smoother and better, uh, the kind of so-called permanent magnet synchronous motors, which are like run smoother than the brushless DC motors, are becoming more and more popular. Uh, so. It all comes back to two things. Uh, efficiency is one thing, and that's kind of run mainly by governments. Of course, uh, 
they kind of put standards out and kind of drive people to kind of try to improve the efficiency. Uh, but then also, you know, the consumer likes to save money and, and not, you know, pay for electrical bills unnecessarily. So that kind of uh, has also kind of driven it. But the other factor is also the size. Uh, people are trying to put more stuff into the smaller spaces that they can. So these motors being smaller than the older types of motors uh, has kind of helped in that case. So from industrial design, it kind of makes it cooler. Uh, so a lot of the kind of newer washing machines, especially from like Asia, they're driving the motor directly. And then the, the drummel, uh, drum of your washing machine is driven directly instead of through a gearbox or a belt. So, so a lot of those things kind of change uh, basically from a design point of view, from industrial design, governmental, consumer needs and wants and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I agree. I mean, that's something that I've uh, said quite often in these uh, conversations and also within the industry is that power is no longer just you know, selecting whatever cheapest power components you can get away with for the application space, as you said, not only for performance but also for uh, money saving, it's better to be efficient all the way up and down the line. The benefits are palpable from a form factor, as you were saying, a smaller, more efficient motor not only saves energy but also fits into better form factors. There are a lot of things yeah. that, are being, that, that speak in the favor. Now, having said all of that, what about the software that drives it? That, you know, the, the fact that software is becoming such a critical part of hardware engineering is very important, right? Oh, yes. No, definitely. I mean, that's one of the drivers behind the efficiency in these cases. You know, I mean, the simplicity of driving, I mean, relative simplicity of driving a brush to DC motor uh, has kind of allowed you to use a smaller 8-bit microcontroller uh, with some uh, hardware support. Uh, and that kind of has been going on now for some for two decades. Uh, but as the need for like smoother and, and uh, higher performance uh, is kind of evolving, the permanent magnet synchronous motors, uh, kind of which need much more complicated uh, drive, have driven it to, to kind of higher performance, like you know digital signal controllers, like uh, that have some mixture of DSP and microcontroller. That's kind of been the starting point, and then now it's moving into 32-bit kind of stuff. So that kind of, but you are getting much smoother uh, running, less torque ripples, and uh, you can do a lot of more advanced stuff, like you know, increase the speed above and beyond you know this designed speed of the motor with kind of advanced algorithms like field weakening and things like that. So that has been driving, you know, the softer side of things and more advanced control algorithms. And uh, and also the, since the price has been coming down on these kind of components, you know, it's allowed you to kind of do that in, in application that previously had been prohibited from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. So um, what are some of the other things uh, that Microchip's doing to address the marketplace? Where, where are you going with it? What are your current uh, product families that are assisting it? So basically, uh, what we have been doing is that uh, with our digital signal controllers, we have uh, the DSPIC. We have kind of put in like you know peripherals like PWMs and analog ADDs and things like that to support these applications in the uh, most efficient way. We also supply you know uh, you know the algorithms uh, to our customers to so they get started quicker, so they don't have to start the design from scratch. Uh, 
giving them the control argument for like sort of the field oriented control and other things like that. It's going to help them. Uh, we're also now kind of supplying like MATLAB Simulink models for them to do that. Uh, also kind of code generation kind of stuff from MATLAB Simulink so you can generate code straight from your models. Things like that to kind of kind of push uh, you know the customer to kind of be able to quickly and, and more easily you know get the designs off the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the, a recent survey showed that uh, simulation was the number one thing that engineers want, and troubleshooting is the other, and they're literally two sides of the same coin. So the yeah. the more you can do in that area, the better off you are. Yes. No. I mean that's kind of why the code generation is such a kind of a powerful tool is that. You can run it and kind of get close to kind of uh, getting your, you know, things working. Looks like it works, uh, and then basically you can generate the code, put it on the part, and actually try it out and see if it actually did what it did. The other thing what we also did is that uh, one of the things like there's a lot of models out there for motors, but uh, one of our focus uh, motor type is the permanent magnet synchronous motor. So basically we have supplied also a model of that that we believe is, is a good representation that you know will help the customer uh, do a kind of a better simulation. Because if, if, you know, the model of the, the plant or the motor in this case I mean, is not kind of accurate, you know, it's going to kind of put like a damp on your design. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, it, doesn't, it, does, it doesn't help how, how, how feverish you work if your ruler doesn't have the lines all properly. Spread. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, so what I like to do is uh, give my um, guest an opportunity to have the last word. But before I do that, I'd like to ask you one more thing about mm-hmm. how to get, you know, what do you do to support the uh, engineer in getting your solutions from your desk onto theirs? Well, basically, I mean, we do have uh, development platforms. You know, we have like... Uh, motor control, low voltage kind of platform, a 24 volt you know, platform from people to work with, or we have a high voltage, 600 volt you know, kind of platform. So it allows the customer to kind of scale based on the motor size that he has. Uh, so that's kind of one thing uh, from a hardware point of view. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, we do have the simulation tools and code generation tools, which actually links back into our, uh, our IDE, our integrated development environment for MPLAB X. And that kind of allows you know to do more kind of synergistic kind of development uh, for the customer, but uh, and also we supply the libraries and, and code uh, for that. And when the customer is up and running, we have our uh, dedicated like mode control uh, field application engineers uh, that can help when it comes to the point of you know needing help uh, or getting started. Uh, and of course, it's it's kind of First comes to show, we have of course our application team here in the fab factory, so I can kind of support them, uh, supporting the customer. So uh, we try to kind of mm, do the best we can. To kind of, this is a fairly complicated uh, uh, application, so we believe that it's very important that the customer has to support their kind of move the design forward. Well, I I agree completely. Uh, because, well, you could have a chip today that's superconducting at room temperature, but yeah. if all you say is this is the volts in, this is the volts out, you know, you're not going to get it. You have to explain it in the context of the solution provided and then help the, the customer put it into a, a situation that it could then provide the maximum value in the circuit. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the important part of it. It's kind of uh, 
is to kind of making sure that he moves forward. You know, if he gets stuck, you know, he's going to get frustrated and, and figure out something else. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. So as I was saying, I like to give my uh, guests the chance for the last word in each of these uh, conversations. So what would you like to leave our audience with as final thoughts uh, before we close out the episode? Well, uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, we've been just kind of launching these products uh, recently that uh, basically I see we pull in two uh, supports for two motors in a single device, which we have found that customers in, in some of the uh, spaces that we are supporting uh, like to start optimizing their designs a little bit more. And uh, that's kind of one of the latest and greatest things that is happening is that multiple motors, because one of the things that if you put multiple controllers, it's getting complicated to kind of have them work together. But having it all in a single device and be able to kind of uh, synchronize that uh, makes it much like, much easier, which is one of the key points in these applications, as we mentioned before. It's, is the kind of the integration and, and the cost and the optimization of the system. And uh, so that's kind of where we are going with our products, uh, trying to kind of integrate as much as possible into a single device to support, you know, uh, more complicated applications at the cost-effective point. And there's more information uh, on our website at microchip.com uh, slash motor control. So it's our design center for motor control. And we also have information about our analog products and other things like that related to this application space. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, you know, it, the, the key is nowadays you really need to have the right tools. And I agree with all of that, and especially the, the, what you had said about complexity. So uh, those are good uh, last words. I appreciate you giving us, especially on the whole aspect of where motion and motor control is going. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show with us. You're welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. Oh, pleasure's mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us today. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day.